0: Shut up, and sit down. What's up, guys? Welcome to the podcast, episode 8 of The Quiet Part Loud. I'm your host, Daryl, and it's good to be here. And we are on the 17th of January. It's Wednesday, and little bit of a change doing our episode today in the morning. I just got back from the gym and work schedule's been a little flipped around. So that means that I've got time to do it earlier uh, rather than uh, rather than on my lunch, which is when I usually press record. Um, So yeah, episode eight, I believe we're on now. and i've been listening to some of the episodes back to kind of tweak them or just edit them put some top and tailing music in them <clears throat> just trying to refine the product a little bit more uh so it, you know so it packages well uh when we distribute it out a couple more episodes to go and uh and i think we're going to publish um, i have to get my metadata right and all of the particulars around that. And like I said before, it's just me here doing this. So um, I say thanks for your patience, but you don't know. Um, You're not waiting for anything because we haven't released it yet. once we do, then we'll have uh, hopefully 10 episodes in the bag for you guys uh, to listen to and to kind of try us out, see what you think. Uh, Varying lengths of those episodes, varying topics of those episodes so hopefully there's something in there for you uh and you like you know what what we're doing here uh so yeah just got back from the gym good session today getting a little bit busier in the mornings now uh usually takes a week or so week or two uh before even the the kind of You know, new year, new me people roll in and I think it's starting to happen now. So New Year's resolutions took a couple of weeks to kick in, but uh, yeah, a little bit busier in the gym this morning, but still a good uh, episode, still a good, uh, good session. And uh, I've touched on it before, but I love, you know, my, my going to the gym is uh, is non-negotiable. That's at least an hour, usually an hour and a half, five days a week. Physical exercise is super important to me. Um, and I think super important to anybody that actually partakes in it and, you know, realizes the benefit of, uh, of how it shapes your day, how it shapes your attitude, how it shapes your mind, um, and how it sets you up just to kind of, you know, be more leveled in your approach and your considerations and your interactions with people. It just, I mean, for me, I run quite high energy normally. So, you know, although it gets, you know, the endorphins running and, and get you, you know, your blood flowing and, and, and all of that, you know, once you've kicked your ass in the gym, you kind of like mellow, you got all that stress, that tension, that kind of that initial overload of energy, I think it, you know, it, it kind of dissipates a little bit and then you're, you're quite even keeled for the rest of the day, which for me is, is super important because my job is, can be quite stressful and very busy, yet very mundane and very, you know, the same thing every day. Hence why I do the podcast and hence why I like to, to vent or at least get my thoughts down um because in addition to you know the therapy of exercise this is quite cathartic as well to you know speak out on issues that i think are important or need discussing uh and and hopefully like i said once we once we do distribute and and publish these episodes hopefully create a dialogue with you guys that you know, will get us thinking, we'll get us talking because what we need is people coming together in the world that we live in now and not divisiveness. So let's touch on the subjects that we currently don't talk about. Let's hear out each other's opinions. Let's let's communicate, you know, let's uh, let's show love for each other rather than what we're doing in the current climate, which is looking for any way to offend somebody, any way to take offense to something somebody said, and any reason to display convenient outrage or virtue signaling, which seems to be the trend just recently. Uh, I say recently, it's been going on too long. It's been going on too long. and as anything that doesn't get resolved and doesn't get addressed in a sensible in a sensible way, it festers and gets worse. And now it's an infection and it's an infection that needs, here we go with the cliches, it's an infection that needs antibiotics and antibiotics in this particular situation is two-way communication and stepping out of our comfort zones to hear out what someone we may not agree with has to say and take everything on its own merit as a case-by-case a case and not don't come to the table with your preconceived judgments and ideas, because if the, if the starting point of any conversation is the person I'm speaking with, debating with, arguing with is fundamentally and objectively wrong, a mediation, a compromise will not be reached because you've already staked your claim. You've already put your flag in the sand and said, I declare, I declare my point of view is the only point of view or I declare my opponent's point of view no matter what is wrong, fundamentally, objectively wrong. You cannot have dialogue that way, yet that is how we're choosing more and more to have our dialogue and I think, you know, rather than running to the middle where we need to meet, discuss and find that compromise, we're running away. We're running in the opposite direction from the people that we need to be turning and facing. So with that said, <laughs> turn, you know, turning and facing one another and not running away from the things that may be difficult to talk about, difficult to deal with, difficult to tackle. Rather than running away, we need to face each other and have a, have a, have a fucking conversation. Have a, have some, have some dialogue. Sorry, my dogs are deciding to have a wrestling match on top of my work laptop. Apologies. If I was a little bit off on that last bit. Um, so, sorry. Sorry. Talking about facing each other rather than running away uh, is quite a nice segue into the UFC event that we've got coming up this weekend. (sighs) UFC 220, Miocic versus Ngannou for the heavyweight title of the world in the UFC. We also have the light heavyweight title on the line between uh, Cormier and Vulcan Ozdemir, great name. Sounds like a villain in a in an X Men movie or something like that. Um, the ascension of him and the ascension of Nganu, you know, both have effectively come out of nowhere on the public. You know, in, 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 in regards to the public, in, in regards to the, the, the casual fan or the, the sort of mainstream MMA fan, you know, these guys have come out of, uh, out of nowhere. Um, looking forward to this event, I'm going to pull the card up, uh, hopefully not interrupting the recording, but we will see in just a second. Uh, let's have a look. Sorry, I know that click on the mouse is is quite quite loud. Apologies. I'll try to filter it out. Um, okay, here's the uh, here's the event. Hmm. Interesting. Almeida. Okay, so we're gonna go through we're gonna go through the main card. I think. I mean, Dustin Ortiz is on the prelims. Fight Pass and BT Sport prelims. But... I mean, the overall card, yeah. But the main and co-main event are what I want to talk about. (laughs) Um, First big card of the year, we had Fight Night... We had a fight night last weekend, which saw uh, Jeremy Stevens stop the Korean Superboy in the second round. Halfway through the second round, uh, you know I love the fact that Duho Choi is a is a is a banger. You know, exciting fighter. Who doesn't like that? I mean, for the casual fan, it's all they tune in. F- it's all they tune in to. Um, but he's not going to have a long career fighting that way against, you know, guys like Jeremy Stevens who have made a career out of it. I mean, you know, that story does not end, um, positively and it certainly doesn't end with you relaxing in a chair, reading your favorite book. It's more like it would end in, a wheelchair with you having drool wiped off of your chin before your 50th birthday, you know, and it doesn't, you know, CT doesn't manifest in everybody the same way. But Jesus, man, you don't want to see a young kid like this getting banged up like that. Uh, Dangerous way to make a living, you know, Um, but he caught Jeremy Stevens with some great shots. He is a banger, but, you know, Jeremy's a savage. Um, strikes were close. Significant strikes were, you know, a strike is a strike, I guess. Um, 50, just under 50 strikes each uh, landed. It was a good fight. You know, didn't go very long, but uh, but it was still a good fight. Uh, Paige Van Zandt broke her arm on a spinning back fist. Pfft. I mean, her heart and her grit is amazing. Uh, that she finished that fight out with a busted arm, but I know she's changed camps recently. But I don't know. I just don't know. There's something missing with her. Um, maybe she's got to mature into her skill set. Um, I'm not sure. But yeah, just there was a lot of hype around her, and it's not really paying off uh to be fair I don't really know where she goes from here um Rose Clark beat her uh, and you know I know she only had one arm but she was still doing the business on the ground uh who else did we have um oh yeah we had Usman and um Emil mech uh, how you get mech out of that I don't know it's meek but uh, him versus kamaro Usman a lot of people saying like you know, Kamaru Usman is the next big thing in the welterweight division but I mean great wrestling great wrestling but uh I mean he said he was and I know he's clarified this now but he was talking in the post-fight interview like that was 30 percent that was 30 percent it did sound like he meant like oh i only gave that 30% i beat that guy with putting 30% effort in um, but when he clarified his statements he said oh i wasn't feeling well and i only was fighting at about 30%. well that's a funny that, that's a funny 30% because if i'm 30% i'm basically think about your phone battery you know it's not doing much it's not doing much at 30% um, and if I'm ill and, and I'm not a professional athlete, but if I'm ill, then 30% got me on the sofa, right? Like 30% percent's got me doing nothing, let alone having a fight with a savage Viking. Um, so one, I don't buy it <clears throat> Two, this guy needs to change his whole game plan. If, in terms of his marketing strategy, if, uh, if, you know, if if you want my thoughts on it, and maybe you do, maybe you don't, but I don't give a shit because I'm giving them to you anyways. His attitude is fucking terrible. He seems like a prick. He's not charismatic. He's a douchebag on the mic, and he may be a skilled wrestler, but one thing's for sure: it, people, he's not going to have trouble finding a fight going forward. People, especially stand-up guys, are gonna, you know, who can. Competently defend wrestling, which is effectively all we saw from uh, Usman in that fight, was just, you know, because once he got a taste of, you know, a couple of s- sweet jabs, little slick jabs um, that got through from mech, he didn't want anything of it. And it was just like, okay, cool, boom, down to the ground. Ask GSP how people remember him when all he did was, you know, effectively lead, grapple, shoot, take down. And hold people down and and you know kind of grind out decisions. I'm not comparing Usman to GSP in any way, shape, or form because he's not he's not even in the same um, in the same conversation in the same uh, you know orbital space as GSP. Uh, so let's not get that twisted. Uh, but I was really like. I mean, I, I just wasn't impressed. I mean, his wrestling's impressive, and he's an impressive athlete. Uh, but, you know, if you want to come out and say you're the best in the world or whatever, I don't know, like, it just seemed, I don't know, it just seemed shit. Like, get some get some mic game. Like, come with something prepared or something, I don't know. But he just came across as a dickhead. And I don't think Dana was very happy about his comments, even though after he clarified him or whatever, you know, there was a misunderstanding clearly. But look, you want to make a name for yourself? You don't do it by taking a guy down and just holding them there. Ask Ben Askren how that went. You know, an amazing, amazing competitor, right? Just retired Ben Askren. Some say the best wrestler uh, in MMA, you know, and that's big when you've got guys like Khabib out there. And I know he had words with Dana and everything like that. But the point of the matter is he could have been in the UFC if he wasn't just taking guys down, grinding them out, beating them up, you know, that sort of thing. They don't want that in the UFC. And I'll tell you what else. The casual fan doesn't want that in the UFC. So let's see how he responds to this. Um, but, you know, great wrestler, great athlete, dangerous guy. He cut mech open when he had some shots and things like that on the ground. So, you know, kudos to him for that. But I don't think he won any fans. Let's put it that way. Uh, I don't think he, I don't think his popularity rose uh, with the general public after that. One, untuck your face. Looks like you're, you know, you're not just mean mugging. You look like you're holding in a shit. Um, talking to Usman here. Um, Emil Meek, Emil Meck is just a Viking. You know, he's just a, he, he looks like he could be on the program, Vikings. Um, so yeah. 13 minutes of control. Um, In a decision win. Eight takedowns. You know. But no submission attempts. And considering he had eight takedowns. And 13 minutes of control. He only landed like 40 more strikes. So. Yeah. Do better next time. Go for a finish. Be exciting. You know, be smart. Be smart. But, you know, be be dynamic, I guess. Or don't. Don't give a fuck. Um, And then the start of the main card was Darren Elkins, Michael Johnson. And, I mean, if you watch that fight, it was just like, what the fuck? You know, Michael Johnson's just kind of picking him apart on the feet. And then next thing you know, Elkins is... uh, is busted up, but he's choking him out and wins via submission. Like Darren Elkins is just next level warrior, um, savage. Uh, He's, he just seems to pull it out and you know, good for him. Good for him. Another one who, you know, the story's not going to end well for, Uh, you can already see some of that damage that he's taken, you know, having an effect, let's be honest, having, having a real effect. Uh, but I'm sitting behind a keyboard. So who the fuck am I to tell these savages what to do? Um, I wouldn't presume to have the right or have the inclination to do so, but what I'm doing is just giving you my opinion on it. So that was the wrap on, uh, on the fight night, really shit, boring card. If you ask me, I wasn't impressed at all. Um, and something has to change with the UFC and I don't know what it is. Um, maybe it was cause we were so spoiled with Connor. Um, you know, and before that, I guess there was a lot of hype around Ronda Rousey. Um, but you know, it was before the end of, it was before the end of Anderson Silva. It was before the, you know, the, The run that we've seen John Jones go through uh, with his failed drug tests and, you know, fucking around with the titles and this, that, and the other thing. I don't know. For some reason, the UFC has lost something to me. But every time. Every time I think you're going to put on another shitty card, you give me a couple fights like you have done on UFC 220 and totally redeem yourself. <laughs> um not totally redeemed yourself, because most of the card is shit, let's be honest. And I'm hoping for some exciting finishes to bring uh, bring my energy levels up about it. And I have to look into a couple of these uh, fighters anyways, uh, just to get a bit more history on them. Um, so I kind of know what I can, I guess, hope to expect. Uh, but we're just going to basically cover the top two, because, you know, there's a lot to say about them. Um, And I don't want to waste any time on any of the other fights. Because we're talking about what I want to talk about. So UFC 220. UFC 220. Co-main event. Hi, Kiki Bear. Um, That's my puppy. Co-main event. Light heavyweight title fight. Daniel DC Cormier. Versus number two, Volcan Ozdemir. No time. Worst nickname ever. For sure, get a better nickname. You've got no time. Well, you do. Because you're not terminal. And. You've had to wait for the fight. So you've got time. So it's a terrible nickname. Uh, change it. So we've got the. The 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 Vulcan the uh, the superhero comic book villain uh, from Switzerland taking on the just all round great guy DC Daniel Cormier one of my favorites of all time for sure um, it's going to be an interesting one I mean this uh, Vulcan Ozdemir. Uh, let me just look up his stats on Wikipedia so I can pull up the uh, the fight-by-fight fight on it. Um, but I have touched on this event in past uh, episodes. And, you know, this Ozdemir guy, I mean, I don't think the charges have been dropped. Like, he beat the shit out of somebody in a bar. <laughs> And like, I don't know exactly what's going on with that situation at the moment, uh, but not great. Not great. And probably not who uh, the UFC is hoping is going to be the new light heavyweight champ. Just saying like, you know, Cormier might get booed even when he's like saying <laughs> Cormier is the only fighter that will get booed if he announces that he's giving a million dollars to charity. They just—I don't know what the fuck is wrong with people. He's such a good guy. I met him in person. I met him in Sweden uh, when I was out there for the Gustafsson and Anthony Rumble Johnson fight. And I met him in the in the fighters' hotel where I was staying. And he's just like just a really nice guy. And I know obviously when he meet you know when they meet fans, they put on their best face, etc. But he was a genuinely good guy, and I get it from all the footage I watch of him and the interviews I see of him. He just seems like a good guy, like a bit of a jokey guy. Um But he just seems like a really nice guy. Um, so I don't really know what the miss like what the what what's not what's missing there with, with the mainstream fans because they just don't seem to get on board with him. The only guy this guy's ever lost to is John Jones. He won the heavyweight... Uh, what was it? The strike force, Heavyweight Grand Prix. Dude's 5'8". He's shorter than I am. I'm 5'10". And he's definitely shorter than I am when I stood beside him. But uh, uh, yeah, I love Cormier. But we'll get on to him a little bit more. I touched on that a little bit there. But I want to just talk about this Ozdemir guy. Because since... I mean, he's come over from Bellator, I guess, he had a fight in Russia, a fight in Switzerland before he actually uh, got into the UFC, but before that, he was in a couple of events in Bellator and he lost to Kelly uh, Anunson um, at Bellator 115 in, in April 14. Uh by submission, neck crank. So that's interesting. Um, so he's beat, since he got to the UFC, right, his first fight in the UFC was February last year. So he's been in there almost a year. He won a split decision over OSP. And then he knocked out um... Misha, what's his name? Uh, Misha uh, Surkinov. So he knocked him out in the first round. That took like 28 seconds or whatever in Stockholm. Um, and then he knocked out Jimmy Manoa and got performance of the night for that. But that's it. Like, he's going to definitely be fresh because he hasn't fought since the end of July. And, like, that's all good and well. He got... He was number five on the fighter of the year or whatever. Yeah, like... I don't know. I'm not there yet with him. He's 15-1, and but it's not an impressive 15. Let's put it that way. Like, his last few fights are okay. Good, yeah, fine. Knocked out Manawa. That's great. I mean, Manawa's there. Chin up, ready for it. Um... I just I'm not there. With Cormier, I'm fucking I'm all the way there. Like Daniel Cormier is just I mean, he's one of the all-time greats for me. I mean, like I said to you before, he's he's won the strike force grand prix as a heavyweight, right? Um, his only loss, his only professional MMA loss is to John Jones. You know? Um watch this for our CV. Let me go back. Cuz he's come over from Strike Force as well, right? Right. Okay. So, his first fight in the UFC was April 420, um, April 20th, 2013. First opponent in the UFC, Frank Mir, wins a decision, unanimous. Second fight in the UFC, knockout artist Roy Nelson, unanimous decision. Right, schooled him up. Third fight, Patrick Cummings, TKO punches, like light heavyweight debut, he went down, right? So this is a 5'8 guy who, you know, he's got a huge frame, don't get me wrong, but not a big guy, right? He's big when you see him, like he's barrel chest and he's got that big upper body, that wrestler, like beastly frame, But he's not imposing, right? He's no fucking Francis Ngannou. He's no Stipe Miochik. He's no Uberim when he was jacked up, ready to fight Brock Lesnar. He's no Brock Lesnar, you know? Like, he's no Frank Mir. Um, But he just dominates these guys, right? So he TKO's uh, Pat Cummings, slides right in a couple months later to fight Dan Henderson. And just... Like he's tossing him around like he's a little kid, right? Tripping him up, flipping him on his head, just beating the shit out of him. Uh rear naked choke submission win uh in round three of that fight. Then he loses to John Jones. In a unanimous decision, right? The fight was okay. The fight was good. I mean, John Jones definitely is the better fighter. I think he's like he's he's kind of his arch nemesis, right? He's not he, it's hard to see a scenario in which DC beats John Jones. It's just one of those things. But so he loses that and it's like, Oh shit. Okay. So then he fights Anthony rumble Johnson, right? Because by this point, the, um, stuff with John Jones has happened. I think this was where he hit the pregnant lady in the car and booked it. Um, and then came back for some cash and then booked it again. Um, so for the vacant title, him and rumble fought and, he subbed him. He wore him down and subbed him. Got his neck, rear naked choke. Boom, done. Beat Gustafson in a split decision. Had a really shitty, boring fight, uh, a non-title fight with Anderson Silva. Then he beat Anthony Johnson again and choked him out again for the second time to, to, fend, to defend the light heavyweight championship. And then obviously he fought John Jones. When John Jones came back, John Jones you know, knocked him out, but it was ruled a no contest and an overturned decision because, because um, John Jones tested positive for steroids, uh, um, which is being investigated now. And there's some suspect uh, kind of feelings around that whole thing, uh, like something untoward happened or it was done accidentally or something. But uh, nevertheless, John, j- John pissed hot, the decision was overturned. So instead of being uh, 19 and 2, DC's 19 and 1. But again, the only person he's even definitively lost to is John Jones. Once or twice, whatever. Take your pick, right? So we've seen DC get cracked with shots by Rumble who's the heaviest hitter in the light heavyweight division. I mean, this Ozdemir is supposed to be a, a, a knockout banger as well. But I don't know, man. Like, if DC gets a hold of you and takes you for a ride, which is more than likely going to happen, what happens then? Vulcan, you know, Are you going to be able to get back up? Are you going to be able to maintain? Are you going to be able to withstand the forward pressure? Because DC's been in there with everybody and the best. And I know Vulcan has kind of ascended through the ranks seemingly overnight because he said, you know, we had three fights last year and went from nothing to the number two spot, which is fucking crazy. You know, he hasn't fought... I know Rumble retired, but he hasn't fought Gustafson. You know, he fought Manawa. I think lack of superstars in that division caused Manawa to kind of have that record. He's a knockout artist, right? He's a one-dimensional fighter. He's not, you know, anyways. Um, it's just crazy that he's gone up. And, I mean, the rankings, to an extent, don't really mean shit because they're done by... You know, people sitting at home, you know, like me. I shouldn't be able to do rankings, although I'd probably give it a lot more consideration than some of these idiots do. Um, it's a quick ascension for Ozdemir. And this might be a bit more than he can chew. I'm calling... I just think DC has too much pedigree in his wrestling he's been in there with way stiffer competition he's you know he's been in some battles but he seems pretty unscathed by the by the wars he's been in and and things like that i just think there's too many tools on the dc side i don't think ozdemir really understands what he's getting into with a guy like DC because DC's persona is very cordial it's very nice it's very sweet you know it's kind of jokey and and, you know he's got that banter and, and that's why I love Cormier but he's he's a savage he's a savage and he trains with Kane he trains with Khabib and he trains with Luke Rockhold right like these guys are are top of the food chain. And I see Ozdemir doing... You know, I see him doing some judo or some wrestling with Rashad Evans. And that's great. And I know he's got a great team around him. And blah, blah, blah. But I just don't think he's experienced the level of which Daniel Cormier is. He couldn't have. Because there's only one DC out there. And the only guy better than DC is John Jones. So... For me, unless it's like that kind of, you know, because DC's kind of older now. Like how old is DC? Um How old is he? I think he's 36. No, he's older than that, right? 38. Right? So it's one of those things. Oh, he's actually 5'11. No. He's shorter than I am. Fucking Wikipedia. Um I think it's going to be one of those things, right? Like if Father Time shows up on your door on Saturday night and says, "Guess what? Now you're actually going to be 38 instead of, you know, the monster and the savage athlete that you have been up until this morning." You know, if that sort of, "Hey, we're here and it's time," and it catches up with you, then it could be a different it could be a different story, right? But the only way I see Vulcan even standing a chance in this fight is by catching him with, like, a lucky or clean shot. Because other than that, I just think DC has way, way too many tools for for Ozdemir to deal with. And it's hard for me to get behind a guy whose nickname is so shit. No time. Vulcan. No time. Ozdemir. Change it. Get a new one. It's fucking terrible and then or as uh, as Mr. Buffer says and now the main event Enganu ranked number 1 versus Stepe I don't need a fucking nickname cuz I'm a fireman, and people know I'm a fireman, and I'm a hard-working, really nice, genuine fucking guy, Miocic, right? So we got Francis the Predator in Ganu. Predator I think was was good when he had the long dreads, like the braids in his hair, but I think we got to change it now. Maybe not, maybe not, still, he still is a Predator. Um, and he still looks like a fucking savage. Um, even more so now, he's a bit more clean cut. But let's get into it. The main event. Hang on one second. Just pulling something up. Right. So. There's not too many people giving Stepe a chance in this, which I think is really weird. And I'll tell you why in a minute. But first, I want to pull up Nganu. I want to pull up his record so we can go through that a little bit as well. <clears throat> but I'm going to come right out and say it. No, let's go through it first. Fuck it. Let's go through it first. Right. So, in 2015, Francis Ngannou came to the UFC. Okay? And a little bit of context on Ngannou. And, again, this is going to be over by the time you guys fucking listen to it. So, it's going to be... Maybe there's a bit of back information here. And if you jump on Ngannou's dick, if he wins, then, you know, here's some backstory for you. But... So like six years ago, right, Nganu was homeless, living in France. And he, I guess, either meets somebody or wanders into a gym to, you know, get out of the cold, do some training, whatever. Uh, Wanted to learn how to box, maybe because he was homeless and maybe wanted to defend himself. I don't know. Um, But he ends up in a gym getting trained. And the coach in that gym says, hey, you should try MMA. I think you'd be really good at it. Has a couple of fights, actually lost a unanimous decision in a 100% fight, Contenders 21 back in 2013. I guess that was in France. But his first four fights were in France. I guess that's where a 100% fight is. Uh, Then he fought in Switzerland. Then he fought in Bahrain. And then he got to the UFC. Gave up everything, moved to the States. They've got him over at the Performance Institute in Las Vegas. And rather than the Predator, uh, maybe his nickname should be Ivan Drago because some of the videos I've seen, they've got him strapped up to these machines while he's on the treadmill. Um, You know, he's basically living at this place. So it's like, you know, it's like Drago, Ivan Drago running around the track, like fucking smashing those bags down, you know. Not saying they're injecting Nganu with anything, because physically he's a fucking freak anyways, and I think his nickname should be Bane, Um, but you could probably interchange his his nicknames between the Predator, Bane, and Drago, Um, you know, Black Drago or something like that, I don't know, Um, but this guy's just, I mean, he's a monster, he is a fucking monster. Take it for what it's worth, but he hit some machine and recorded the hardest punch ever in history, ever recorded history, right? And Dana White, I mean, the UFC are just jacking this guy off. And, you know, I get it. You know, if he knocks out Stipe, you know, you've just got, you've got your Tyson figure, basically, uh, as the UFC heavyweight champion. You know, he'll have international appeal, in Africa, he'll have international appeal, probably in France, um, which makes him good for, you know, maybe a French-Canadian market. And, you know, there's opportunities there. And, you know, he's a specimen. He looks like a specimen. He looks like, you know, he he looks like he was created in a lab. Let's put it that way. Um but he had these four fights, five fights, six fights outside of uh, the U.S. Then he came to the UFC. He knocked out Luis Henrique in the second round. He TKO'd Curtis Blades. Uh, Curtis Blades took him down in that fight. And that's going to be a point of uh, a point of discussion in a little bit. Uh, but then he beat Bohan um, Mahajlovic uh, again first round knockout or first round TKO um, he beat Anthony Hamilton by Kimura um, that was in 2016 then he fought twice last year uh, he TKO'd Arlovsky got a performance of the night bonus Um, but like, you know, it's not Orlovsky, Orlovsky, is it? You know, he's, he's on the back nine. Let's, is an understatement for his career, Orlovsky. So, okay, great. Yeah, he, he, you know, TKOs him and, and that's fantastic. And that's, you know, a minute and a half into the first round performance of the night. Great. Then he fights Alistair Overeem, and that was in December, last December. <clears throat> and he won knockout of the year, and rightly so, because I thought he killed Overeem when he hit him. If you watch the KO, if you watch the wild left that he cracks Alistair with, you know, it, like, disjoints his neck. <laughs> uh, I mean if he hit me with that I'd be dead. If he hit the regular per a regular person, you know, even a regular fighter, you know, say like a middleweight. He could've killed a middleweight with that. It was it was fucking crazy. It was it was absolutely insane. And it came fast and it came furiously. And there's no denying that this guy is a special cat in terms of his power, in terms of his explosiveness, in terms of, you know in terms of his potential, right? No doubt about it. But we're talking first round, first round, first round, second round, second round, second round, round, first, second, first, second, first, right? So he's never gone. He's never gone more than two rounds. He never, he's never gone more than two rounds. He's been taken down once but not really faced a good wrestler. Curtis Blades took him down. Um, but these other these other guys, I mean, you know, Overeem's a kickboxer. Arlovsky's pretty much a kickboxer. Anthony Hamilton, he's a banger. Um, you know, so, we've never seen him in a war. We've never seen him We've never seen him troubled, and we've never seen him face, like, real pedigree. Like, Alistair's pedigree, for sure, but Alistair's also been knocked out, like, 13 times in his career. So, you know, like, he had a bit of a resurgence when he when he kind of reconfigured his game planning and, and and once he got off the steroids, basically he had to refigure his training, refigure his strategy and how he approached fighting. And he did that and he experienced some success with it. You know, even after he got knocked out cold, uh, by Inganu, he was basically like, Oh, I've got to go back, reassess and, and come back out. You know, we've got to, uh, we've got to look at this and, and, and reassess it. Um, terrible Dutch accent. Um, but, you know, he's a fighter for life, Overeem is, and he'll, you know, he'll probably be the one eating his, you know, eating his food through his straws at some point in time because he's just taken a ton of punishment. Um, But that last one was the worst. And, you know, it was a poster for for Francis. For Nganu, he got his highlight moment, right? It was... And the UFC got their, their their promo moment. Their we can market with this, you know, along with all the other you know kind of nice editing that we'll do and video that we'll shoot. We can we can use this, right? We can put fireworks with this. We can we can make this guy. We can give this guy an easy title of the baddest man on the planet. You know, we can hype him against Stipe. And the the marketing that has been done, you can clearly see that everybody's got a mouthful of Nganu's dick because they're barely promoting Stipe in this at all. And I find that really funny because this is going to be Stipe's third title defense, right? So if he wins this fight against Nganu, and if you ask me, I think he's got every opportunity to win this fight against Nganu. Um... That'll be the most defenses in heavyweight history. Now, think about that for a moment, right? The UFC is about 20 years old. It's actually 25 if you go off of, you know, from day one. But let's let's do it like that then, 25 years, right? So the UFC has been around for 25 years. I don't know how long the heavyweight division has been around, like when they decided to bring in divisions. I can't remember the uh, the exact date on that. But let's call it like five years after its inception. All right. So 20 years. In 20 years, the heavyweight title has been defended twice. That's the most title defenses of, a, of the heavyweight belt in the UFC in the history of the division. All right. Think about the people we've had at heavyweight. Brock Lesnar, Frank Mir, Randy Couture, um, uh, fucking Kane Velasquez, Junior Dos Santos, um, like Andre Orlovsky, um, you know, the list. The list is pretty deep. Tim Sylvia, you know. Um, nobody's been able to defend it more than twice. Including Kane, which is mind-blowing. So if Stipe wins this fight against Ngannou, he becomes the longest reigning heavyweight champion in UFC history. Not only that, but I think you can start having a conversation about Stipe being one of the best heavyweights of all time, if not the best heavyweight of all time. And, you know, for anybody that's listening out here um, that may be questioning that, hold up for just a minute, okay, because... We can go through it. So, like these knockouts of Orlovsky and of Alistair Overeem by Ngannou, and everybody's putting him like up there as like he's the knockout artist that we've been waiting for. He's the heavyweight that we've been waiting for. Um, let me just run you through this for a minute, okay? So, <laughs> insane. stipe has been in the UFC. Since 2011, where he came in and got a unanimous decision victory over Joey Beltran. Okay, tough first fight. But other than Stefan Struve catching him, which can happen. Other than that. And then a, in my opinion, bullshit decision um, that he lost over uh, Junior Dos Santos Santos in their first fight. He has run through Philip DeFries, Shane Del Rosario, Big Country, Roy Nelson, Gabriel Gonzaga, Maldonado, Mark Hunt, Andre Orlovsky, and he did Orlovsky. Orlovsky in uh, 2016 uh Fabricio Verdum to win the title beat Al- beat Alistair Overeem by knockout and then fucking ran through JDS again right but what's really impressive couple of things okay let's go back to his last loss. So he got the unanimous loss, uh, decision loss uh, against JDS in their first fight. Okay. Then he comes back and fights Mark Hunt, maybe the strongest power puncher in the heavyweight division's history. You know, um, I'd like to, I would have liked to have seen him do that test that Nganu did um, five years ago. So in the fifth round, in Australia, Mark Hunt's backyard, he TKOs him. Right, so we know because the fight before he went the distance, um, he's got a couple of uh, decision victories uh, over Big Country and Gonzaga. So he went the distance in those fights. He went the dis- he went the distance uh, with JDS the first time. He went into the fifth with Mark Hunt. You know, which is a dangerous fight, but then his last four fights have been a minute first round knock uh, TKO Orlovsky, first round T- uh, KO of um, of Verdum to take the title. Then he knocked out Overeem in the first round. Then he knocked out. Or he TKO'd uh, JDS, but he was fucking out of it. Got performs performance of the night on that one <clears throat> in the first round in his last fight against JDS. So, like, to put, like, this... I go through those to highlight the fact that it's easy to give somebody, like, a label. Like a knockout artist label, right? That Like they're giving Nganu. And I get it. When he takes, you know, Overeem's head off like that in a spectacular, like, you know... Uh, in, like, a piece of viral content, like, that that's sort of a knockout, that's a poster knockout, right? I get it, but don't sleep on Stipe like he's not a knockout artist, because he's put away the guys that um, Nganu's put away, but he's also beat more impressive guys, and is a fucking hardcore wrestler as well, he's a very, very good wrestler, right, which... Ngannou hasn't faced before, and I think it could be an ugly fight, potentially, but Stepe's boxing is better than anybody Ngannou's faced before, you know, okay, yeah, Overeem for sure, but Overeem, I don't know, it's just something about Overeem, um, Stipe straight down the pipe, bang, 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 real clean boxing, um, which I love, and like i said his wrestling's on point he can go distance so we know he's got conditioning the only single question mark for me is will he go unconscious if and when he gets cracked right cuz it's not like stipe is going to come out of this fight without taking a punch right that's damn near impossible but can he last long enough where some of the lactic acid in Francis builds up? Maybe there's a uh, a five or ten percent reduction of power and explosiveness on those shots, and all of a sudden they don't start to, you know, they don't start to have the same effect that they would in the first kind of couple minutes of the first round. If Stebe can employ a game plan which seems him sees him avoid that vicious shot moves his head off the line nicely, you know, avoids these wild winging shots and can put and can put some gloves back on Francis, which undoubtedly he will because Stipe's a grinder, you know, um, then I think we've got a real interesting fight. And I think Stipe can actually knock out Francis as well. In fact, I know he can, for sure he can. But if Francis catches you, especially when he's fresh, when he's just getting lathered up, you know, blood's flowing nicely, all that good stuff, you're going to be in a casket. Like, it's unavoidable, right? But I'm going to go with Stepe. I think his experience, I think his, again, like I said with DC, I think his skill set, I think I think there's too many things on the other side that lie with Stepe, that can give Nganu problems. Now, all that goes out the window if Nganu lands a clean shot. All over. But I think Stipe is good enough where he might be able to avoid it. And if he does, then we've got a fucking fight. And I think Stipe retains the title. I think becomes um, the longest reigning heavyweight champion in the UFC. And I think we start talking about him as one of the best of all time. And then we start figuring out where the fuck Cain Velasquez is. And when he's coming back... And hopefully get him a title fight straight away. Because why not? Unless run Stipe and Kane. Um, But can't look ahead too much. Because this is a hell of a fight going down tomorrow. And... uh, No, sorry. Going down tomorrow? It's fucking Wednesday. Uh, Going down on Saturday. Um, Yeah, a couple days away still. Um, The rest of the card... Whatever I hope there's some good fights in there, but I'm not even going to bother covering it. But we've done basically an hour on a, on the fight night recap and then breaking down uh, these two fights a little bit. So let's just recap very quickly. UFC 220. Co-main event, Daniel Cormier... Cormier? <laughs> Main Co-main event, Daniel Cormier and Volkan Ozdemir. I am going to take Daniel Cormier for the win, second round submission. Whew. I didn't even know that was going to come out of my fucking mouth until I said it. Um, I think he's going to grind him down. I think he's going to take his back. I think I think he's going to choke him out. Uh, main event, Stipe, don't need a nickname because I'm a gangster, Miochik, um against Francis the Predator, Bane, Drago, Nganu, um, for the heavyweight title, UFC heavyweight title. I am going to go with Stipe, Miocic. I am going to go with Stipe uh, via... Knockout TKO and I'm going to go. I'm going to go first or second round. I can't decide. I can't decide, but I'm putting my money on steep. Don't listen to me. I'm not an expert. I'm just a fan. Um, But there it is. That's, that's where I'm at with things at the moment. So um, I was actually going to run this. Um, I was actually going to run this into a whole bunch of other content, but I didn't expect to do over an hour uh, just on those two. And I, if I've rambled at any point during the during the podcast, guys, then my apologies on that. Um, but I just wanted to run through some of the some of the perspective in terms of you know where these guys have come from, and that you know the UFC is a great marketing tool and it's a great marketing machine, and it can really make you think. Look what it did to everybody with Ronda Rousey. And granted, she did amazing, you know, until the competition actually caught up with her or until she actually faced a good striker. But the writing was on the wall. I got caught up in it. I got sucked up into it. Um, But the UFC is a marketing machine, you know. Them Look what they've done with Conor. You know, I mean, Conor's been a huge manifestation of his own destiny. But, you know, they also helped. They helped big time. And... They're doing it with Nganu. They're not doing it so much with Volcan because I don't think they, they actually really want him to win this fight, but they definitely want Nganu to win. So you're seeing, I mean, look at the Boss Logic posters out there. If you guys don't know who Boss Logic is, go on Instagram and check him out. Awesome. Um, same with uh, Dos D O S B R A K. Uh, two, in my opinion, of the premier graphic artists um i think that's what you call them uh photoshop artists um on instagram and they do a lot of um independent work around ufc events and things like that they did one with Nganu. i think it was i think it was boss logic um sorry guys if i fucked that up and got it backwards but i think it was boss logic and he did one as engano as bane kind of walking away in the poster and it's it's so good so good the UFC should be commissioning these guys to do all of their official posters and stop fucking around with whoever's in their design studio and their creative suites because some of the posters that they come up with are dog shit but my point being is they're still a powerful marketing machine and they're doing a lot to put hype around uh Francis Ngannou because they definitely want him they think they've got something there with him if he beats Stipe and I'm not convinced yet that he's going to do that I could be wrong because one punch and it's over and that's the type of fighter you're dealing with within Ganu, but I think a lot of skills are being overlooked on the Stipe side of this fight, and that's what I'm actually going to put my money on. I'm going to put my money on uh, Stipe to win and get it done in the first or second round by KO or TKO. Uh, again, we've done over an hour on this, and I think we've exhausted it, so I'm going to end it off. Uh, I was going to go into a whole bunch of other subject matter and, and like talk about uh, the other stuff that I want to talk about, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to end this one as basically a 220, UFC 220 um, breakdown, and preview, whatever, um, and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to record another episode uh, later on this afternoon. And that's going to cover the other topics that uh, that I was thinking about discussing today. So UFC 220, this Saturday night, you've got my picks. Hope you tune in. Uh, if I publish this before the weekend, then I'd love to get your feedback on it. And I'll be tweeting it out and all that. But I'm not sure yet what the schedule is going to be because things are very, very busy over here. But... Anyways, thanks for listening. As always, um, we'll be back with another episode uh, very soon. And until then, this is The Quiet Part Loud. I'm Daryl. And uh, all the best, guys.